We're going to read 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 13. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying. For the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ. Raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering. Even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect. That they, may too, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him we will also live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we disown Him, He will also disown us. If we are faithless, He will remain faithful, for He cannot disown Himself. As Tim comes forward, let's pray for him. Lord, thank You for the Good News Cruise yesterday and for all the Gospel conversations and pre-Gospel conversations that went on out here in the field. I thank you, Lord, for the people I talked to. Somebody said, what's this Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 all about? And I was able to give just a little, little synopsis. Somebody else we talked about missing Blair and Lenny and how we need to be ready for the next life. Other people were talking about the uncertainty in our world and, and I could share about the hope that we have in Christ. And I know, Lord, there was many other conversations like that going on in this field. We pray, Father, as as Wally said, that seeds were sown yesterday and that there would be a harvest. Whether we see it now or we just get to experience it in eternity, we pray for it. We pray, Father, that just like this water is coming down and going to cause the grass to grow again, that you would water the seeds that were planted yesterday and that you would bring forth fruit. Thank you, Lord, for each person that served and, and uh, maybe gave a hot dog in Jesus' name or a, gla- uh, uh, a bottle of water or took their picture or encouraged somebody or played for them, showed interest in them. We pray, Father, for, for blessing on each one who served. And now, Lord, help us to hear with ears of faith the word that you want to, to speak to us. We pray you would use Tim. Open up our ears, open up our eyes, open up our hearts to receive the Word as it's implanted in us. We pray, Father, for Tim as he wants to encourage us that he would be bold and tell us how it is, tell it like it is to us, and that we would receive that well. We pray, Father, that he would be encouraged and feel peace and joy as he's here with family. We pray, Father, for blessing. Not because we deserve it, because we certainly don't, but because you're a gracious God who loves to give generously to us. 
Would you bless us this way, Lord? We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning, everyone. It is always a joy to be here. This is one of our favorite places in the whole world. Yesterday, as we were driving here, uh, we, we, about a four-hour drive, we had lots of time to go over previous visits and things that happened along the way or happened while we were here. And they were really good memories. Brought lots of smiles, and I can see Debbie smiling along with me now. It's... Um, it's been a good time. Thank you so much for being in our corner since fall of 1981, uh, seeing us through language school, seeing us through 33 years in Lima, Peru, and continuing to see us as we serve in Latin America. Title this morning, Multiplying Leaders and Healing the Wounded. That's what we're all about now. We're all about those particular uh, aspects of, of life, and we're going to tell you about it as we study God's Word this morning. Matt read the passage, Second uh, Timothy 2, 1 through 13. Passage was chosen because this has been key. It's been foundational in our lives as we've served in Peru and, and even before that. There are principles here that are at the very core of our being and at, the, at who we are and who we want to be. Multiplying leaders, healing the wounded. There are a number of imperatives in this passage. An imperative is a, an order, an exhortation, something that we are to follow. And we're going to look at just three that I think give the tenor of the passage. Uh, to go through all of them might be a bit difficult, but it's certainly worth, would be worth our time. We're going to look at three imperatives this morning. Actions of a faithful believer in Christ. Be strong, multiply, and stay focused. We're going to stay on this slide for a few minutes. Uh, uh, there is an attempt on my part to put the imperatives into these three, and I'll tell you why they've been chosen. Be strong. Paul tells Timothy to stay strong in order to prepare others. Without being strong, he wouldn't be able to do that. As I look at staying strong uh, in my life, key elements have been a devotional life, a daily devotional life, time with God's Word uh, every time that I get away from it, and I do. I, I don't want to say that uh, it's a continuous action, but I try to make it as continuous as I can because when I don't, I feel weak. Stay strong in the Word, and it gives the strength to continue on being a missionary, a husband, a father, a friend, and other duties that one might have in life. It also means staying physically fit. Been working a little bit more on that these days. Always have a lot more energy when there's more exercise. There's a routine in my life that involves eating healthily, which isn't always the case. But every time that I do, I feel the effects of that. Uh, it also involves staying academically and intellectually strong and reading things that uh, are helping me to grow as an individual, grow as a, a Christian, grow emotionally and intellectually. 
and just good time of relaxation, days off and times of vacation. So those are four elements that help me stay strong. I think that they're, they're the key elements. And of course, as all those are woven into a family life where there's a strong marriage and time with the kids, and now with the grandkids. If you want to see pictures of the grandkids later on, we just happen to have a few hundred of them with us. So you can uh, take, a, take a look at those. That's part of this, this stage of life. have to be strong for them as well. Multiplying. The, the, the imperative to multiply isn't specifically uh, said. That word, that vocabulary is not there, but certainly the concept. Entrust others so that they may uh, teach others. I think you could make a synonym, a synonym for entrust would be empower. Very popular word in these days, empower. Make it possible for others to have the power to be able to do the task that you're training them to do. And so you entrust others to then communicate to those who will be able to communicate to others, uh, to be fruitful. So it involves an intentionality. It involves intentionally looking for the kind of person who's able to communicate clearly to other people. This is at the heart of what Paul wants to communicate and what probably is his last epistle, something that he wanted to make sure was covered. Stay focused. Plan your life to stay away from the things that will uh, distract you. There are three metaphors used here, that of someone in the military, an athlete, and a farmer. Uh, The athlete image is probably very clear to us if you've watched any of the Olympics and the story of the preparation that people have had to, to go through, regardless of their talent. Lots of talented people don't win gold medals because they aren't willing to pay the cost. Staying focused. I uh, feel that I had an exceptional illustration of that yesterday. and It was changed around something in the message this morning to include that. Uh, I had an affection for uh, old cars, for vintage cars. Uh, I had a 1939 Chevy that uh, I restored in the younger years, along with lots of help with uh, close friends, sold the car, much to my chagrin at that time, to, for money to go to seminary, but it was money well spent. I'm glad I did it, kind of. But anyway, it was, it was, uh, it was good. So uh, yesterday, by the way, there was a 1939 Chevy there yesterday, if you saw it. A person had really done a great job on it, and uh, my mind was going back to other days. I was also having a particularly hard time with uh, coveting a 1965 Mustang, which was also there, which is kind of my dream car. Um, and I was started thinking, well, I wonder how I could work it out where I could get one of these. And my wife quickly brought me back to reality, what all that would mean. But as I was walking around and enjoying the cars, and, and you guys did this wonderful job. I mean, it's so culturally appropriate. The music was excellent. It was just perfect for that kind of setting. The, the kind of outreach to the drivers, the people that brought the cars, 
and I had to slap myself in the face emotionally, it was particularly in light of thinking of this message this morning, hey, you're not here to look at cars. Well, it was fun. I, I did, I'll admit that I did, particularly those two that I just mentioned. But I was there to talk with people like you were, and I saw a whole army of you throughout the group talking with them. And there were seeds planted. There were opportunities. It happened over and over again that there were people that said, we don't go to many of these uh, events, but we like this one the best. This is our favorite. And that, I would say, would be a consensus. There were multiple people that told uh, me that, told Debbie that personally as we, we walked around. So what it meant to stay focused in that particular context representing Jesus Christ was to set antique cars in the past and well, not necessarily in the past but to the side and to think about communicating the gospel. There were a number of themes. There were a, a variety of people that said that they had arrived at that stage of life, got a car over the last two or three years. This was very common because they had always wanted to have that. I guess I can relate to that. You know, I can, I can relate to it because I'm human as well. But there was something that was going through my thoughts at that time is that it was kind of a thing that would complete their lives, that, that they had always looked for. So that gave a great opening for me to talk about what had completed my life and the role that Jesus Christ had in my life. There was a, a lady who was there. Her husband wasn't... Uh, there at the time, I think he was probably getting some hot dogs, and she said, yes, we, we bought this 58 uh, Corvette in Florida and drove it up here, and it's something my, wife, uh, my husband always wanted so that he won't be complaining I let him buy this car. Well, there's a place for that, but there's a place for not being distracted. May it be that all of us, as we are going through our lives and we have things that are enjoyable to us, that we never let those things take us beyond what our task was, such as our task yesterday in telling people of the good news of Jesus Christ. Multiplying has been our goal. We've done these things. We've stayed strong. We've focused on multiplying, and we have tried to stay uh, intent, focused on the task. And this is what has happened. I want to say this because... We hope that it's a great motive of encouragement for you. Uh, we were involved with church planting from 83 to 2000. We're involved with four church plants during that time. Uh, those four church plants all have Peruvian pastors. Uh, there are no missionaries involved with any of those. I take that back. Well, there's a, a, a couple that's involved with one of the churches, but not officially as missionaries. They're working as tent makers. They go to that church and are very active. But all the leadership, all the elders, all the pastors are all Peruvians. And the encouraging thing is that those four churches have planted four churches and are considering planting others. All the national, all the free church leadership, and we uh, attended and uh, were part of a free church during our entire time in, in Peru. Uh, all those churches now uh, have leadership that were either trained or mentored or coached 
by people that you've supported, including Jim and Kate Panaggio, some of the best missionaries I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, in years 2000-2006, I was involved with area leadership with Reach Global. During that time, uh, there were three new fields that were founded. Uh, there were some uh, very tense conflicts that were resolved during that time, more through just God's hand of grace upon us than anything that any human did, but it was an act of God's uh, kindness upon us. Those were fruitful years. Now those fields have missionaries that are going to them and they're communicating the gospel, planting churches. That was that stretch of life. And in 2006, started with Prometa and continued to do that to this day, even in our home in, in Philadelphia. I'll say a bit more about that in a, in a few minutes. And Debbie, in 2008, 2009, got a master's in clinical psychology and has been deeply involved with counseling since that time. She uh, started a ministry in our local free church called Live and Hope. Uh, names in English are, are uh, in style in Peru and throughout Latin America, so the name was Live and Hope, and people had their lives turned around. People that could get back in the ball game, as it were, as extremely difficult life situations were worked out and are continuing to be worked out. Debbie still has contact with those people through WhatsApp, Skype, and other, other means. Uh, people were healed, marriages were saved, and people were able to continue on in, in a work of multiplication. The main ministry that I'm working with and have been over these last 10 years is PROMETA, the Spanish acronym for program, Master's Programs in Accessible Theological Education. Uh, it was started in REACH Global. The majority of missionaries are still with REACH Global, although we have some other missionaries, and it's a collaborative venture. The idea is to prepare leaders that can train leaders, teach leaders, just like Paul is saying in 2 Timothy 2.2, and that is continuing on. Friday, I had a meeting with students from five different countries, Mexico, Costa Rica, Peru, Colombia, um, what's the other, Uruguay, those five countries. Uh, we met, were able to do that by planning through the time zone. The for, uh, fortunately, there's only about a three-hour uh, uh, difference between our different countries, and we're able to work that out. It's just wonderful. In this particular case, there are students by and large, that I've had in other classes, have developed free um, friendships with them. Our slogan is transformative learning and community, and that's taking place. Three different uh, people that are part of the Second Timothy 2, 2 principle in my life, and during the rest of the time we're going to be talking about a number of these different people, Sarit Asokar from Venezuela, Marco Andrade from Ecuador, uh, Alexander Cabezas, Costa Rica. I've had all three for at least five courses. Alexander has graduated, and Marco and Sarit are in their final stages. They're writing their thesis now. That's one of my responsibilities is to supervise master's thesis. And the next slide should have a picture of them. There's uh, Marco on the left, Alexander and myself, as we're in Costa Rica. We were there in March, had some meetings. 
I asked them if they would like to be part of a leadership uh, department. Sadit's picture comes later on. I certainly don't want to uh, forget her. Those three have been real joys in my life. I would put this under the top five events in my life, that these three have gone through our master's program. They're now in the leadership department. I lead the department, but I don't think that will be forever. And also, I have a participatory leadership philosophy, so we're all able to question one another, to work through some things. So these are people in a department that are leading their fellow Latin Americans, planning changes. They're very respectful of uh, who, what the leadership department was and who was in it, me. <laughs> and they, they're not um, uh, overly critical, but they want to have some input, and I'm really looking forward to that. We, uh, have started, we started that a couple months ago. It's going very well. Uh, here, uh, just running quickly through this, you can have this PowerPoint and you can read uh, about this. These are some of the students, mostly students that I have right now, um, and what uh, the kinds of things that they're doing. Uh, Alice Ortiz works with a seminary in Costa Rica. The headquarters of, of Prometa is in San Jose, Costa Rica. Uh, she is involved with the... Um, the, educa the Christian Education Department does some administration as well. So she's applying this to her work in an entire seminary, one of the best in Latin America. Next. Antonio Ruiz. Uh, Antonio is uh, a Spaniard. We have, he's also in the class. Uh, he was with us from Spain. He was the one that had to be out of his time zone for about six hours, but we made it so he could uh, meet with us in the late afternoon. Antonio leads a university ministry similar to Campus Crusade, but more indigenous in the uh, Spanish setting. Very creative thinker. Numerous leaders in a gospel-needy country are coming out of his mentoring and coaching. I've had Antonio for numerous courses, and who knows, he might be part of that leadership department as well. There's Sarit. Sarit is from Venezuela. She um, actually came to Peru for a couple of years, worked in the uh, university there. She was the administrator of the largest church in Caracas, also worked for the government, has some incredible gifts in planning, She's very much of a visionary. Uh, she is a confidant. I consult with her on key decisions in Prometa, and now she's part of a leadership department. How cool is that? Mariles is a Guatemalan. She's the academic dean of a seminary. Guatemala, as you know, a large Christian population. Uh, she is in charge of the, the academic world. She's going through our master's. She's one of, been one of our best students. What she's doing is, in turn, multiplying the work of others. It's been wonderful. Next, please. What are the consequences of not having good leadership? Immaturity, instability, immorality, heresy, and desertion. Uh, unfortunately, we've all probably been part of a context where some of that has taken place. 
And unfortunately in Latin America, although it's, it's been a region with incredible growth over these last 50 years, much has taken place in that the leadership formation has not kept pace with the growth on the level of the local church in terms of numbers. So that's what we're trying to correct. Next, please. The advance of the kingdom around the world walks on legs of healthy biblical leadership. That's what we're about. That's what we want to see happen. A biblical approach. The name of the master's degree is Christian leadership. So we do have people that are not in ministry. We have people that are in business, um, other walks of life. And one of our next steps is to create an MBA for Christians. Uh, I'm not aware of a single one in Latin America. And we'd like to help business people, government people, be able to have answers to extremely difficult leadership situations that they have. We use technology. Uh, the technology, if I'm in Lima, Peru, be, I, I'm, I was in Lima, Peru, and now I'm in Philadelphia, and the reason for uh, being able to continue on is, is as long as I have a computer and an internet connection, I can stay plugged in with students around the world. We have students from 23 different countries. I can work with them, maintain a relationship with them, and see them uh, growing. So it's a combination of using technology to communicate the old truth, principles that have worked for 2,000 plus years. It opens the door. What we're trying to do, uh, theological education is very expensive. You can just ask Pastor Matt. Uh, about the expense of those things, and you can also ask me and uh, numerous others, and it's getting more and more expensive all the time. We want to keep it uh, affordable for, and to keep people that are ministering in a particular place to be able to minister in that area. We are greatly expanding. Uh, I was just in Panama this last week, returned on Thursday, and I presented a plan for greatly expanding our scholarships. If you're interested in in doing that as a church, uh, glad, to, to, glad to talk with the, the church about that. Um, we prepare Latin Americans that are already, when I say we, obviously it's the Lord doing the work, but uh, prepares Latin Americans to equip others who will serve a growing church. God has put together an, uh, an incredible team. If you look at the picture, it's a combination of expatriates like myself and Latin Americans and these, this group of people uh, is located in about eight different countries. And we got together in March to brainstorm. It's a unique group of people uh, initiated by the Free Church. Personally, I think it's one of the greatest things the Free Church has ever done, but I've been deeply involved with that too. So, um, Here's an example. Samuel Marcano, a graduate in our Bible program. We have two two masters. A Bible, one is more in uh, practical theology and the other is more in Bible interpretation. Samuel was a graduate of uh, the Bible interpretation aspect and he took a course, Bible interpretation in a postmodern world. He taught that to a group of pastors who then taught it to their congregations, about 5,000 people. Walter Chinchilla used materials that he developed, that he learned in Prometa to develop 60 Bible studies for courses, things similar to what we had this morning in our, 
in our uh, Sunday school class. Those are the kinds of things that he's doing. A little bit of a segue, but extremely important, is uh, what Debbie is doing. Uh, Debbie, as I mentioned, had the ministry Live and Hope counseling in Lima, Peru. She has now gotten a ministry uh, in Philadelphia, uh, the place of refuge. And this is with the director of the ministry. They had some time of interview yesterday. A large part of her ministry will be in Spanish, where, in a, uh, where the ministry is located, a high number of Hispanics, right next door to where our son Joel was. You remember the little guy with the blonde hair and um, uh, as he grew up, and you saw him in various stages of, of life. Well, he's at a really good stage of life now. He's married and has twins, Matias and Nora, and he works next door in Esperanza. Esperanza is Hope. Hope Health Clinic ministry going about 25 years. He's a behavioral health consultant helping people get their lives back together again. Uh, in the same area, our daughter Andrea, uh, who graduated from Messiah last year uh, in sustainability, works with a ministry called Pathways to Housing. Uh, it help, it's designed to help street people who are mentally ill find housing and reinsert themselves back into, the, into society. We th- feel like these are principles that we talked about as a family. And God is so good. He is so good. Uh, she, um, there, at any one time, there are four different teams in her ministry, 70 different uh, homeless people in each team. So the ministry is helping 280 people at any time get their lives back together and get off the streets and enjoy some of the things that we enjoy. 35 years of marriage. You know, you guys started supporting us later in the same year that we were married. So we were married in April. You guys started supporting us, I think, November, something like that. Next year we went to language school, and then in 83 we went to Peru. So this year we celebrated 33 years of work in Peru, have found that the principles of Scripture are true and right and have guided us and have not let us down. We're extremely grateful. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. May God direct you as you're entrusting the truth that saves to those who will communicate it to others in the Lance area and around the world. 